Thank you very much. If you have your Bibles today, we're turning to the book of Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. Once you've found your place, I'd ask you if you would stand with me for the reverence to the reading of God's precious word. Isaiah 42, we'll begin reading in the very first verse. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his words to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he hath set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth bread unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Stop reading there. That's Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 10, if correctly read. Verse 9 intrigues my heart and my mind. The former things are come to pass and new things do I declare. Verse 10 just launches forth in my heart as well about singing new song unto the Lord. Amen. And his praise from the end of the earth. And I outlined two messages from those two verses. And God said, go back to verse 1 and preach. Behold my servant. There wouldn't be anything to sing about if it wasn't for God's servant, Jesus Christ. There wouldn't be former things going away and new things coming to pass, being declared, if it weren't for God's servant. So today I want to preach on, behold, my servant. Father, would you help us to preach the word of God? Help us to do it in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love you. I praise you. Lord, I need your help this morning so desperately. Lord, I need your strength for me physically. God, I pray you'd empty me of sin. Cleanse me, Father, of that, I pray, and empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Lord, I ask your help today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The book of Isaiah is a very interesting book. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet of God. He was a voice of God to the people. He was preaching against the sins of Israel. In your Bible, there are 66 books. You're going to find four major prophets, such as Ezekiel, Daniel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. 
Uh, there are other prophets that are considered minor prophets. It's not that one's more important than another, but it is that one, some wrote more greater portions of Scripture than others. The name Isaiah means salvation is of the Lord. In fact, Isaiah, when I was looking, he used the word salvation in the text 26 times. Isaiah is called the Bible in miniature. The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Your Old Testament has 39 books. You'd be interested to know that the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah focuses on our need of salvation, focuses on our sin and the judgment of God that's merited because of that. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because God is holy, God will judge our sin. Israel knew God. Listen, although Israel knew God and although God had delivered Israel, Israel still chose to embrace other gods and sin right in God's face. And Israel was warned by Isaiah that God was going to judge their sin and he was going to judge it severely. He would allow heathen nations such as Babylon to be a scourge and bring judgment to the people of God. And although uh, Isaiah has warned them about this coming captivity and this impending bondage and oppression to the people of Babylon, uh, they're going to be taken away for not just a day or, or a week. Seventy years will be the time of captivity. Then when I study the last part of Isaiah, which is 27 chapters, 27 books of the New Testament, we find Isaiah focusing on salvation and deliverance by the grace of God. God was saying in Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, trouble's going to come because of your sin. <laughs> but the last 27 chapters says, trouble's not going to stay because I'm gracious and I'm going to deliver you. God had said, I'm going to raise up a king, my anointed one, by the name of Cyrus. Now he said this hundreds of years before Cyrus was born. And Cyrus will be the one to release you from Babylonian captivity. There will come a time of restoration. There will come a time of revival. And that was very exciting. But then in Isaiah 42, that we just read in your hearing, God is not focusing on the deliverance from Babylon He's focusing on our deliverance from sin. <laughs> He's going to allow us, we that are separated from God, to be brought back to God that we might worship Him, that we might have fellowship with Him. Isaiah begins sharing that this is not a human king like Cyrus who's going to release you from Babylonian captivity. I mean, that's a big deal, but it's a minor thing to be released from 70 years of captivity versus being forgiven of your sin and being allowed to go to heaven and spend eternity with God in heaven. Hallelujah. God's saying this is not just going to be a human king. It's going to be my servant. It's going to be my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So may I say this? In the middle of the day of your mess, in the middle of your activity, get your eyes off of Babylon. It's around you today. Get your eyes off the bondage. Get your eyes off of brokenness. Get your eyes off of burdens. And get your eyes on the servant, the Lord 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ was ever born, and he said, Behold my servant. He's coming, and he's going to deliver you from the mess that's going on in your life right now. We know that captivity was so bad for Israel that in the Psalms, the statement is made, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It would be so bad, they couldn't even find a reason to sing. But God says, behold my servant. When he comes, he's going to give you a new song. <laughs> he's going to give you joy. He's going to bring revival and restoration. I want to say five things today about my servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, we see the announcement of God's servant. Verse one, behold my servant. Behold my servant to whom your focus is summoned. The word behold, it means to take notice. It means to fix your eyes upon. It means to lift your eyes from what you're doing and from where you are and look up and behold him. It is to look or to gaze upon intently. Israel in the misery of captivity would be looking at Nebuchadnezzar and they would be looking at Darius and they would be looking at bondage and oppression and affliction. I'm telling you, they're in a sad dilemma today in the United States of America. We look at the mess in which our country is in and the mess that not only in which our country's in, but the mess that the world's in. There's wars on every hand and there's, there's all kinds of violence and, and sin is seemingly at an all-time high. They tell us that 2023 people express more fear than they did when there was COVID raging in 2020. It is amazing how fears and worries and burdens have seemingly taken over and how the people of God have got their eyes fixed on ABC, NBC, CBS, Facebook, and all these media outlets that are nothing but doom and gloom. And the people of God feel like we've lost our soul. There's nothing to sing about. I know He's coming one day, but what's He going to do to help me today? God said, right now, behold my servant. Get your eyes off your problems and get your eyes on my son, Jesus Christ. I'm not sure this morning what you're going through. I don't know what you currently face. You may have more joy than anybody around. But I want to tell you something. The best thing you'll ever do today is take time this morning to get your eyes on Jesus. Focus. You are summoned to focus. Not only that, he says, I want you to look, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. He says, behold my servant, sanctioned by the Father. You know what God said at Jesus' baptism? You know what God said at Jesus' transfiguration? <laughs> this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus and God accepts Jesus. If you're going to look at anything today, you need not to look to the government. You don't need to look to the Supreme Court. You don't need to look at all the politics and what's going on. What you need to do 
is you need to look to Jesus. The Bible says in verse 1 again, I have put my spirit, I underline that, I have put my spirit upon him. Behold my servant with the spirit of fullness. God said, I put my spirit on him. Israel, America, Bethel, you're caught up right now on bad news. You're caught up on affliction, bondage, sickness, captivity. You're filled with a spirit of anxiety. You're filled with a spirit of apathy. Some of you are aggravated. You're annoyed. You're alienated. You've spent some time with your family. You're freaked out. You're afraid of what 2024 is going to hold. You look at your finances. You feel sickness. You notice how messed up this life really is. I say it's time to look to Jesus. Be the best thing that you and I have ever done. Number one, the announcement of the servant. Number two, what is the attitude of the servant? Look at verse two. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Preacher Jared, what does that mean? I mean, I see him lifting up people. I hope he lifts me up. That's not what it means. Although that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, when he walks down the street, he's not saying, look at me. He's not announcing his own name. Israel, one day you're going to witness the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm telling you this morning, he is not demanding that you place roses at his feet. He's not demanded that some golden chariot picks him up. He's not forcing servants down on their knees. He's coming in humility. Yet he is so kingly that he forgives a woman in adultery who should have been stoned. He's so kingly that he touched a leper which was unclean. He's so kingly that he healed the centurion's servant. A centurion that was a Roman that would have no mercy on anyone. He was not too kingly to heal the woman with the issue of blood. May I just say today, amen, my Savior has an excellent attitude. And although we've not been looking to him as we should this morning, amen, he still loves you. He still has mercy on you. He'll still forgive you. And honey, if you'll look to him, he'll pull you out of the mess you're in. Thirdly, what is the action of the servant? A bruised reed shall he not break. A reed that grows down by the water. You think about these reeds as, as they grow down by the water. And I just got a whole bunch of stuff here, but just, just say one. Here it is. Down by the water. It's broken. It's bent over. It's bowed down. It's tucked away in the woods. It's growing by the wayside. It's feeble. It's hurting. It's beat up. It's messed up. It's crushed. It's wounded. It's wilted in weakness. It's not much to look at. But when Jesus comes, he said, a bruised reed shall he not break. When Jesus comes by, honey, he's interested in it. He wants to bring healing to it. You and I would look at this and say, this is nothing good but something to be thrown away. This is nothing good but something to be discarded. 
This is nothing that the church ought to be using. We ought to be having better than that. This is something that nobody cares about. It's worthless. It's ignored. It's battered. It's stepped on. It, but Jesus won't break it. Maybe that's you today. Maybe your head is down. You're, you're bowed down. You're wilted over. You're filled with weakness. You, you can't stand and be the, the, the decorative anymore. There you are. That's you. Defeated. Broken and crushed. My Bible says the Lord, when He comes, He'll not break a reed that is bruised. He'll restore it because He wants it. Amen. Verse 3, a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. That smoking flax is like a wick. It's burning with a flame of fire. Started bring an oil lamp in here today and to show you. And, and you think about when you take an oil lamp and then when you want to put it out, you begin to smother the air to it down. It'll begin to smolder. It'll begin to smoke. And I got the study in this. Did you know this is going to get deep? For something to smoke, it had to once be burning. For something to smoke, it had to once be on fire. I'm talking to somebody today. You used to be on fire for God, but now you're smoldering. You're just smoking. You're just about smothered completely out. Just look around this morning. I noticed people, we've come in, not a lot of people smiling, just here to do your duty, here today to try to worship. But where's the enthusiasm? Where's the excitement? Where's the drive? Where's the rush? Honey, I'm telling you, Jesus is still worth serving. He's still worth preaching about. He's still worth singing about. Amen. He's worth everything to me today. When Jesus comes, he will not put out the fire. He will not quench it is the word. He will not put it out. He will not quench it out. You know what he'll do? He'll fan the flame. He'll breathe on it. He may put a little bit more oil on it, a little bit more fuel on it, more to fire the oil of the Spirit, to fire it up again. Amen. I'm telling you, the Lord, you that are smoking, you that are smoldering, you that are low today, Honey, he's wanting to fan your flame. He's wanting to breathe on you. He's wanting to add the fuel of the Holy Spirit to you. He's wanting to ignite your family. He's wanting to ignite your individual life. He's wanting to ignite this church. Preacher Darren, I feel like your message is a little out of order. Honey, he's ignited me. God has been good to me. And I'm excited about what he's doing in my life. And I want to praise him today. The old devils come by and said, God don't want you. God can't use you. God's not interested in you anymore. God's not going to do anything with you. If he was going to do something, he had already done it. The world's beaten you up. The world's battered you. It's bruised you. Pain, worry, misery. God gives me this word. Guilt, I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with guilt about, but guilt has you all messed up this morning. But Jesus has come to pick you up and do something special in your life. Some of you, you've lost your fire. You've lost your contentment. You've lost your excitement. 
You've lost your enthusiasm. You've become nothing but smoke. You used to be on fire for God. You could not wait to get to Sunday school. Now it's all you can do to walk through the doors once every three months. I'm just telling you, I'm glad that Jesus said of, it's said of Jesus that he's not going to quench a smoking flax. He's wanting to work in your life. He's wanting to fan your flame. He's wanting to fire you up for the glory of God. This gives me great hope that though we may be smoldering and smoking, we ain't put out yet. Though we may be battered and bruised, amen, he can still heal us and restore us up, amen. Woo, hallelujah to God. Now, the world says you're not much, and I don't want to fool with you, but for those that the world says you're not much, and I don't want to fool with you, that's exactly who Jesus came to save. It is the ashes of sin that puts out our flame. We've quit reading. We've quit studying. We've quit praying. We've quit tithing. We've quit singing. We've quit serving. But there's a God that has enough love, that has enough interest, that has enough oil, that has enough breath and fan, amen, to get your fire going again. He will restore us if we'll let him, amen. That's the action of the servant. Fourthly, there is the advancement of the servant. The Bible says in verse 4, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. You know what I think God's saying? He's saying, my servant is unstoppable. When he comes to this earth to be born of a virgin, when they go to get a room in the inn, the inn says there's no room. Go to the manger, and there the Christ child, the king of kings, is born, laying in a lowly manger. But that won't stop him. King Herod says, as the wise men come and are looking for him, Kill all the babies, two years old and under. But Herod's threats won't stop him. At the age of 30, he begins his public ministry. <laughs> They're going to call him names. They're going to put words in his mouth. They're going to say he's a glutton. They're going to say he's a wine-bibber. Some are going to say he's of Beelzebub. Some are going to say he's of uh, Belial. Some are going to say he's born of fornication. Some are going to misconstrue his words and try to entangle him and try to trap him. But their words won't stop him. The high priest is going to try to trap him. The Sanhedrin is going to vote against him. The Pharisees plot against him. The scribes and the elders and the people have rejected him. They're trying to frame him. Pilate says three times, I tried to find fault with him. But behold the man, and I found no fault in him. Rome is going to take him and crucify him. They're going to beat him. They're going to bruise him. They're going to nail him to a cross. They're going to bury him. But death can't stop him. On the first day of the week, he got up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. When will it occur to you that Jesus cannot be stopped? All the things that are going on in your life that you think are so against you and opposes you. Honey, God's got a word for you today. Jesus cannot be stopped if he's at work in your life. Hey, if Jesus be for you, 
Who could be against you? He cannot fail. He will not fail. And neither will he be discouraged. There are some of you, you're very discouraged. Some of us are easily discouraged. Somebody said something. Oh, somebody wrote something. Oh, something serious happened. Oh, we're so easily discouraged. But Jesus is not discouraged. They talked about him like a dog. They lied on him, put words in his mouth, tried to set him up that they might entangle him. Look with me in verse 4. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. God is saying, my servant is undeniable. Though you try to speak against him, though you try to stop him, though the atheists and all the agnostics and the devil himself is against him, honey, one day the devil himself will have to bow his knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if the devil himself will have to bow, everyone that's even above him will have to bow the knee and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Honey, is he your Lord? Is he your king? Honey, his kingdom is running right on time. His kingdom is doing right well today. Are you part of his kingdom? That might be the question. That is the advancement of the servant. He cannot be stopped. He cannot be denied, amen? Fourthly, or fifthly, there is the appearance of the servant. Now I'm gonna read verse five again just cause I like it. Listen who's speaking. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and he and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. It's God that's done everything. Creator God, God Almighty has something to say. Listen to what he says in verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee. Here is the appearance of the servant. I have called thee in righteousness. You know God is supernatural. God is supernaturally beckoning. I have called thee. I have called thee in righteousness. He's talking to the son, I've called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people. For a light, he's my light, to the Gentiles. What's he going to do? He's going to give sight to the blind to open the blind eyes. I remember being lost. I remember hearing the preacher preach about how lost I was and how that uh, I was going to die and go to hell. And man, the, I just felt like there was no hope for me whatsoever. I, I remember, y'all, if I could just take a minute to testify that when I, after I first felt a conviction, I would hear after my daddy would come in the room and pray with us. And after he'd leave, I'd hear chains in the hall rattling. The devil coming to get me, going to take me away. Man, how scary. That stuff is to think about what that old good-for-nothing sorry devil can do. And I'm going to tell you something right now, amen. My God was able to save my soul from a devil's hell. And he took me when I was broken, when I was battered, when there was nothing. He took me and he gave me new light. He gave sight to these blinded eyes. Not only this, but he gives salvation to those that are in bondage. Here they're in bondage. They think they're going in bondage to Babylon, and they are. But it's worse than that. They're in bondage to sin. They're in bondage to the devil. They're trapped in it. 
They're, 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 they're sitting in a prison house of darkness. He's going to give salvation to those in bondage. He says to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Jesus gave every one of us that were bound by sin, he gave us salvation. He gave us freedom. He didn't just set us free. I know we sing, he set me free, he set me free. That's good and all. But he did more than that. He didn't just set me free. He made me free. If you've been made free, you're not going back to bondage again. He's give you his word. He's give you his promise. He's give you his seal of the spirit of God. Hallelujah this morning, amen. May I say this to you? Good works cannot get you free from sin. Your family, you, you may have been born in the Fisher family. You, you may have been born in the McClellan family. You, you may have been born in the Walter family. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what family you're born in. Good works and your family raisins are not going to get you out of the prison of sin. You may say, well, I got money. Honey, your money, give it all you want, but it will not give you salvation. You cannot purchase it. You cannot work for it. Your education, you, you, you may have four doctorate's degrees, but though you have doctorate's degrees, so much so that you can do alphabet soup after your name, that will not let you go to heaven. Only Jesus can release a prisoner from the darkness of sin. Yeah, let me say this to you today. You may have some friends, people all the time, name dropping to me, this name and that name, and you need to do this. Let me tell you something. You may have all the friends in the right places, but your friends cannot get you out of the prison house of the darkness of sin. Only Jesus can do it. Amen. Now, I want to conclude with verse 9. Behold, I'm just going to skip ahead. Verse number 8. I'm the Lord. That's my name. My glory will I not give to another. Neither praise to graven images. Behold, there's that word again. It means to pay attention to, to fix your eyes upon. Behold, the former things are come to pass and new things do I declare before they spring forth, before it ever happens, I tell you of them. I want to say this morning publicly, thank God the former things are come to pass. Bruised, smoking, lost. But the new thing is God's healing, God's salvation. I wrote this down. I had sorrow, but now I have joy. You see the former things? Sorrow has come to pass. Now I have joy. I don't know what you're going through today. Maybe you have great sorrow of heart. But God says, if you'll come to me, I can turn your sorrow into joy. Whew. I had confusion, but now I have peace. I have foolishness. But now I have goodness. I had misery, sin's misery, but now I have mercy. <laughs> I had condemnation, but now I have salvation by the grace of God. 
Any man that's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was a bruised reed, but it didn't break me. He picked me up. He's still working in my life to make something useful out of my life. Amen. Maybe you're broken today. Maybe you consider yourself bruised. May I say this morning, the world don't want you. The devil don't want you. But Jesus does. He wants your life. He wants to make something out of your bruises. Something out of your bewilderment. I was a smoking flax, but it didn't quench me. They, some of you today, you're smoking. You are smoldering. You are smothered by the cares of this world and by the deceitfulness that's going on, the, the devil trying to trick you and get you worried and upset about so many things today. You're almost lifeless. God's wanting to breathe on you. He's wanting to fan you. And he's wanting to give you the oil of the Spirit to be a fuel to rekindle your life. That's the message today. God said, don't look at all the problems you've got. Behold my servant. And when you do, notice the change. He's going to have you to change from singing them old songs. You know, I used to go to Pizza Hut. Man, as soon as them songs come on, I could sing every word. Night Ranger. ACDC. All big. Give me the first four notes. My mind to this day can still tell you the name of the song. But to get up and try to sing to you without words, why is that? The former things are going to be passed away. And God's wanting to do a new thing in your life this morning. Amen. You stand to your feet. Seth, if you'd come play this morning. Maybe there's somebody here. I pulled everything out of the pulpit this morning. Maybe there's somebody come and say, Preacher Darren, I feel like I'm being smothered. I feel like I'm being smoldered. And God's wanting to do something in my life. And I'm coming. Lord, I want to let you right now. Maybe there's somebody. You feel like you're broken. You're bruised. You've been wounded. You've been crushed. You've been stepped on. You've been squashed. You, today, the Lord wants to do something in your life. Folks are coming this morning. Oh, behold his servant this morning. Behold his servant. praise and thanks and honor because God in my life with so many things that's been happening going on Lord oftentimes we feel like we're smoldering being smothered God we're just smoking God this morning I pray that you would come close enough by to breathe on us to fan us 
to refuel us and reignite us as a light for the glory of God. Father, I pray and ask your blessing upon every need today. Father, their sicknesses, their issues, their financial concerns, their worries about jobs and bills and what's the future going to hold when we go into 2024. Lord, I don't know, but I know this. I'm going to trust you as best I can. Lord, that you, that would not even break a bruised reed. Lord, I'm going to trust you to make us whole. Touch us, Father. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.